Welcome to the Data Bites podcast by Women in Data, where we give you your weekly bite-sized dose of career development advice, industry case studies, and career stories to help you excel in your data career. Today, I'm speaking with Chan Kai Feng, Head of Product Data Governance at Adidas, musician and LinkedIn creator. We discuss how following your passion always pays off, even if the career isn't readily available. In addition, we discuss the intersect of music and data and how data professionals can apply creativity to their work. I had so much fun talking with Chai and Kai and am always inspired by his conversations. Enjoy the episode. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the Data Bytes podcast. I have been looking forward to this conversation. Welcome. Excited to have you. Thank you very much. It's very good to be here. It's a big honor for me to be here, and I'm really looking forward to this. Yes, we were just saying we we should give ourselves a pat on the back because this is the third time we've tried to record. So, you know, tenacity always wins, right? I think so many times in my life, it's like, oh, am I going to make this yeah. happen? And maybe if you just try it one more time, you know, as we said, getting on the show, third time's the charm. So here we are. <laughs> Absolutely. I also think at least that the last two years of a pandemic and the whole virtual working made us all a bit more patient about technical issues. So um, we just kept being motivated to do this, right? So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I would say, you know, your LinkedIn is so inspiring to me. One, just because I was a music major and mm-hmm. now work in the data space and you're the head of data governance at Adidas, but also create these fantastic videos and songs and when they're so uplifting i was listening to one this morning about like how we need more kindness on linkedin and personalized message i think this was was a collaboration you did and i listen to your videos and your songs like before work and it just like puts me in such a good mood and like gets me excited about also working in this virtual manner so definitely the songs are a big motivation Thank you so much. I also think that LinkedIn, I know, is a professional network, but um, I think more and more people show their personal side a little bit on LinkedIn, too, because it's part of work-life balance, I would say. And me showing my musical passion in relation to some work-related things is really hitting a niche somehow that not many people know could be done. So I'm really grateful that it's encouraged and that people are welcoming it. And I'm always happy to put on smiles on people's faces. So that's really nice to hear. Yeah, and I think it's such a great example of like bringing, you know, we talk about bringing your whole self to work, but also bringing your mm-hmm. whole self to an online platform, right? As you mentioned, LinkedIn's kind of this weird professional network. So we put all these restrictions on it, I think, that don't necessarily need to be there. And at the Absolutely. end of the day, you have a better response when you're like, yeah, I do data governance and I can talk about data governance. But there's also this other side of me, and it's important to incorporate that whole self, whether it's at work or it's on an online platform. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we dive into the music, you have had a very interesting career in data and you're someone I would say has had a data career because there's many different roles you've had in your quote unquote data career. So do you mind sharing with our audience a little bit like how you got started and some of the different types of roles you've had and how you transitioned along the way? Absolutely. And I think I start maybe with the two things that I really liked when I was younger and how that led me to study as well. Because in in school, I was always really good in math. And I also really enjoyed advertising as part of watching TV or listening to the radio. Um, So I decided when, when I was able to choose what I wanted to study, I actually studied business administration and engineering, which is a mix between basically a business 
major and a um, like an engineer major. And I chose as the focus points marketing and uh, databases. And without knowing about it yet, but that would become marketing analytics at some point down the line. And when I graduated, that was exactly the point when social media analytics, web analytics, and all these topics started booming. And I had a chance to directly actually work as an expert in China for a company called TD Reply, um, where I was part of helping to um, build up the Beijing office back in the days. And we really had clients from uh, automotive industries, other industries. And that was the time where basically social media really started booming in China. So that was like WeChat or TikTok, all basically in this time started growing and um, the vast amount of data we could analyze about consumers and how they behave and what they do on social media was really fascinating and really let me grow as an analyst. Um, and later on, uh, basically, I started my job at Adidas uh, initially as a product owner for reporting and realization. Um, solutions and looking into self-service solutions and dashboards. Then I was leading the social PR and voice of consumer analytics teams. So a little bit looking into how consumer feedback is being analyzed, a lot of unstructured data being analyzed. And now just very recently, actually in January, I started my new current role as head of product data governance um, within Adidas. And for me, that was actually the most exciting jump from the um, let's say job description wise, because before everything was analytics and being an analyst. And I was um, in terms of um, data flow, of course, a data user. And now in the data governance function, it's much more about looking at the flow end to end, right? So where it's created, where it's processed and where it's being used, how it's being used and all these kind of things. So it almost feels like that before I was on the stage being an analyst, showing the world how data is being analyzed. And now I'm a little bit the crew and the director and everything that is in the back behind a theater play or like a movie that really makes sure it happens even at all, right? That anything even can work like this. Um, so yeah, um, this is now where I am. Uh, I kind of am really excited what else I will know about the analytics and data world in the future and what else is out there. Um, so yeah, that's my career in a nutshell. Yeah, so one of the things that strikes me about your story is how important it is to follow your passion, right? So you mentioned like as a kid, you were interested in math and advertising. And I'm not going to have you share with the audience how old you are, what the age, but let's just say it, there weren't the amount yeah. of social media analytics that probably existed when you were a kid, right? Or when, yeah, you, went to, true. when you went to college, Correct. right? So you were ahead Absolutely. of the time in the sense that like, you didn't go into these two fields because you're like, oh, I know I'm going to be in marketing analytics because this is going to be a big field. You, What it sounds like to me just followed your passion. And because of that, you had a combination that probably most people at that time didn't have. Absolutely. And I think back, it sounded so weird that I would choose those two majors because marketing was always rather perceived as the creative side and IT sounded very nerdy and very fact-based. Um, and nobody, it felt like not, not many people knew that um, basically marketing analytics would become a thing. So I was so lucky that exactly my mix of talent and skills wasn't used and um, basically useful for a new area and um, of, of analytics. And it felt really good to apply both. I mean, just even thinking about social media, and as you already mentioned, I'm a big social media user as well myself. So um, I like engaging there. And that also made me always passionate to understand the human side behind data, right? So basically, what does it mean? And why is certain engagement higher than others? Can I see the pattern? 
do I realize what works, what doesn't work on social media? And that applies then to different companies, different content and all these things. Um, so yeah, I kept on just kept on my passion for this one and I'm still applying it on the day to day now, um, just now from a different aspect. Yeah. So then the transition into data governance, and as you mentioned, this was probably the biggest one. I mean, it's all data, right? I mean, everywhere we yeah. look, I even think about really engineering and architects compute, like in computer science, like we're always working with data, whatever kind of span of title you have. But what was yeah. the thing that made you go, and as in your words, kind of front of stage to more back of the stage? Was there a pivotal moment where you were like, hey, this is really important and I think I can have a bigger impact behind the scenes? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I don't think it was the lack of impact that was there. I think it was just that point in time where I felt that I want to learn something new about the world of data. Um, the world has been changing so fast and until that point I've been um, analyzing the same structures and types of data for a long time in my career. And I think it was just time to look at it from a different way. Plus, as a data user, I was in touch with data governance teams already a lot from a stakeholder side, right? Me being a stakeholder, data governance trying to support me. And um, it also felt like instead of now complaining about data quality myself so much, why don't I just work with it, right? Why don't I fix it myself? I mean, it's all easier said than done. But now knowing how complicated it actually is to fix data quality. Uh, but other than that, it's exciting. I think, I mean, now it's just four months to do the job for me. But I feel like I have not learned that much since I studied, basically, in such a short amount of time. And um, just knowing, learning about data infrastructures, knowing about data governance frameworks and processes and principles and all these kind of things, it really showed me a new side of it. But I'm really excited also to apply my previous passion and, and let's say skills to make it more human, right? Because it's easy to hide, let's say, for example, behind a policy or behind some rules, but it's equally important to convince the people and let people intrinsically be motivated to work with the rules and work with the policies to make it a better data um, landscape for, for the whole organization. So yeah, I mean, by just using transferable skills from my old jobs, and now applying this to new knowledge I'm gaining, it's a really exciting time for me. Yes, and I think this is one of the most exciting parts about being in a data career is there's so much horizontal or upward mobility that you can take to stay fresh and keep learning. I mean, there's always new advancements coming out in AI, which you can keep learning about. But I mean, this is just a perfect example of like, hey, What's that new frontier that I can learn about to really keep things fresh and engaged and provide a new perspective too? Because I love what you mentioned of like, hey, I was an in stakeholder complaining about it, and now I can take that knowledge and be like, be part of the solution, right? And exactly. I had a very similar experience. I started in marketing analytics as well, and I was always uh -huh. complaining about getting access to the data. So I switched over right. to the data engineering team ah, <laughs> because I, I was see. like, hey, why aren't you giving me access to it? And how hard can it be to create these pipelines? Again, came into that side and realized, oh, there's a reason for all of this being the way it is. <laughs> a lot of times it's my awareness and understanding and not asking those right questions. So I love that story. I think I, I share Absolutely. very similarities in my experience from marketing to data engineering. <laughs> very cool. Yeah. So... Now today, you have an album coming out this summer. Um, yes. <laughs> and very exciting. What was the inspiration of, I know you've been sharing, creating songs for a while and 
sharing mm-hmm. them on LinkedIn. What was the inspiration to release a whole album? All right. Uh, great question. Very fresh question too, huh? I just announced it now <laughs> a few days ago. Uh, but, but basically, I mean, the first time I created an album was actually when um, I was doing my studies. And I actually started writing songs when I was 15. So there was a lot of teenage angst in my songs. And when I published it finally during my study years, it felt like a snapshot of my life and of those years when I started writing songs and actually recording them. Uh, but since then, I've been writing songs and publishing songs here and there, like one by one. Uh, but I always thought, wouldn't it be nice to, again, have like a snapshot of the years all combined together and something that I leave for the world that they enjoy my music, but also something for myself to always listen to my old songs and know what I was feeling back then and why I wrote it. So over the time after my first album, it's already now uh, past since 10 plus years. And I have written a few songs now, and I realized that there's a lot of elements where work is impacting the songs that I'm writing, right? Either it's about me really clearly writing a rap anthem about uh, data governance, for example, as you know, right? Then that's very work-specific, but it can also be about work-life balance and me appreciating being a father much more and spending quality time with the children. Um, So all that related basically came together, and I thought, I think it would be a good snapshot to... um, remember how I struggled about the topic of work-life balance of basically how to put priorities between work and my private life and how it has influences on each other and um, so yeah this is why my my album will be called work-life balance and I'm working I have some songs finished I'm working on some songs but all in all I'm very excited to be to be launching it then in, in the summer. Yes, I'm very excited too. And I have this feeling we've been living parallel lives, but on two sides of the planet, you know, me me being here in the U.S. Because I also created songs in high school and I look back and I'm like, these were kind of depressing and angry, right? (laughs) And that doesn't fill me anymore, right? And I need to put something new out into the world. So I I love that because I'm like, it it is such a snapshot of your life, almost like a piece of data, right? So I look at data. Historical data, right? Yes, historical data. (laughs) And sometimes we, I think it's important to remember, like, that's just was a person's point in their life, like the digital trail of data that they're leaving. We can't make all future predictions off of that, right? Just as you and I aren't going to be creating emo anthems probably anymore, right? Yeah, You know, absolutely. things have changed and time has changed. We have to make sure that we're taking that human eccentric approach when looking at data as well. Absolutely. And I think it's a great reminder to think about how much predictability can be actually used on historical data, right? Because people change, the world changes. And I always bring that example of when the pandemic first hit us with lockdowns, that nobody knew what to do with historical data because everything changed, right? All the consumer behavior all of a sudden went complete sideways. And we had to find basically a new normal and a new level of regular and normal behavior that is very different than before. Um, Yeah, but it's it's a great point, actually. So I think most people would look at music as being a very creative avenue and data as being a very logical, right? Kind of a right brain, left brain, as we like to categorize things in in neuroscience. Mm -hmm. But do you see similarities between the two and how does the two different sides of work influence your work overall? Yeah, Um, I would say... um... Just like actually, because there's this cliche about data being very fact-based and very, let's say, rational, while uh, music is more emotional and more creative, right? 
But uh, both of these aspects, music or data, can be looked at from two different angles, right? So if we would talk about music, I can talk about the emotions that I have with it and the beauty of it all and what it means to me. But we could also look at it very mathematical, right? So notes are just certain acoustic frequencies. Volume is just the number of decibels. And rhythm is just the number of time intervals, time very um, strictly. Um, and that could also work if we would just say, okay, all these frequencies together match up to this frequency and that um, is new and, and so be it. But it's really the putting it together and how we feel about it that in the end makes sense. And if we look at data, which everybody knows about, of course, it being very fact-based numbers um, and tables and so on. But once you put on an interpretation and an analysis on it, right? And once you find the insights behind the data, what it means, and you can communicate it in a relatable way or in like an understandable way, then in the end, what also comes out of it is hopefully almost like an emotional response, something where you feel like, wow, I didn't even know that. And this really makes me understand what is happening and the data helped me to see it. So in a certain way, I feel like if we think about impact of both, then it becomes an emotional thing. And even if with data, let's say you have creative sites too, right? You can also think about how to visualize it or how to explain it, or um, that also has a creative side to it that you can shape for maximum impact. So in a certain way, I mean, it all shaped me a lot together. So me, my my basically um, habit of writing songs and putting a structure in the songs, like how many verses, how long the verses are, what rhythm to use, what instruments to use, um, how what chorus uh, should be the, the common red thread across the whole song. Um, it's a similar structural thinking for data, I think. So I'm definitely profiting from both. So really using both, applying to each, <laughs> let's say. <laughs> Yes, and I love the analogy of how data is a very creative aspect, and I feel like that portion doesn't get talked about very much. I mean, if you look online, it's very easy to learn the technical side of things, right? The logical, like there's a plethora of classes out there in terms of learning Python or machine learning, and the data visualization kind of touches on it a little bit, right? But a lot of times it's very tool-based focused. So Absolutely. what do you recommend for people who feel like they're missing that creative aspect in their data work? How do they start to bring more of that creative energy into their work? Um, yeah, I would say, um, I mean, by nature, I think everybody has some kind of creativity in them. It's just a matter of applying it and remember to apply it, right? Because I know that once things become a routine and certain tasks become like a ever always... Um, again, returning tasks, so to say, then it's easy to say, okay, this is no routine. I shut my brain off. I'm just going to do it over and over again. But I think creativity comes from exactly all the muscle memory and all the existing institutional knowledge, and then think what could be new on it and never be satisfied with the status quo. Always think about how can that be better? How can I have more impact with what I'm doing, um, either as a data engineer to make even better data structures or as an analyst, how to storytell even better. Um, I think it's, it's more about first reminding yourself to be creative and start doing it. And then it doesn't have to be really groundbreaking things, right? It can be basically labeling your data in a different way that seems to work better in certain cases, or you change your code a little bit and think about when you can finally make it more efficient so it runs a few milliseconds faster, let's say. There's a lot of ways to be creative and you just have to give yourself the credit as well that you were creative and encourage yourself to continue doing so. And that I think is a good start. And 
once you get out of your comfort zone and finally saw the success or creativity in small pieces, then you will dare to do more and more. And that's what I think of it. I think one more point to it actually um, that I feel is a really good trend going on right now in the data world is um, trying to make the non-data people um, understand it better. And then there's the side of the data people that are all learning about so-called data storytelling, right? Basically how to tell the story of the data better instead of just focusing on the numbers that nobody can understand. And then there's the other side of the non-data people that are being taught data literacy to actually get closer to it. And I feel that is a very cool complementary trend going on where data storytelling and data literacy will come together. And then hopefully we have a world of people that all talk about data in a much different way. And it's not seen as that very niche, um, different, complicated um, language that's out there, but it's something that's just all around us. And that would be nice. <laughs> yes, it would be very nice. And I'm so glad you brought up that trend because I think it's such a great way to get out of the, you mentioned getting out of the status quo and a, a good way, sometimes we get stuck in our own head, right? And so a good way to get out of that status quo is to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And what you mentioned kind of parallels between this data storytelling and teaching others makes you, in a way, forces you to get into their shoes so you can explain it to them in a way that they're going to understand. So I think that's a beautiful Sorry. comparison. In addition, like that's a big portion of what I see as a lot of artwork, right? Whether that be music or painting or a play, you're trying to share a story and take people on a journey, right? And so that's such a great example of how all these worlds intertangle and merge. Um, we just have to put ourselves out there and put each other in those shoes. Absolutely. I think one more example of it when actually life becomes analytics and in some way also art is this, um, I saw this a few times always at the end of the year when people actually had, let's say, locked in their mood of the day for every single day of their year. And then at the end of the year, they look at how many good days and bad days they had and also the levels of happiness or sadness they had on each day. And basically identifying trends, right? Or like patterns of like always feeling better on weekends or always uh, being... Um, even if you have weather data that you're always sad when it's raining and these kind of things, and you learn about yourself. And although it sounds very nerdy to put analytics on your own life and your own things in the personal life, uh, I think that always opens up um, the conversation with others, right? Because that's relatable. Everybody can relate to having good and bad days. And somebody just came up with logging and all, and then turning it into data, and that data immediately means something. And I think that's some really cool examples of also making it a creative but um, also relatable and therefore removing a little bit the, the myth about data being not understandable at all. Yeah, I don't know if it sounds nerdy or if I just am a nerd, but I, for I think I'm on year six or seven, have been noting what I do every day in half an hour increments. And so I have all the data. Wow. I have, I'm, one day I will do a really cool project on a full, you know, six, 10 year, maybe at the 10 year mark, a full analysis. Wow. I, I was just I, about to say, when are you publishing the analysis? That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and well, it's, it's very personal, right? Because I mean, that's a, you know, I, I think we talk about True. like big brother and he's spying on us, but I have it down to the detail of like what I was doing, True. whether in an online or offline kind of setting. So what I've found from it is exactly what you're saying is by capturing data on myself, I'm better able to analyze like 
one, when I'm in a better mood or when I'm not, but more, more importantly, what are those factors? So for me personally, it's going to bed on time and getting a good night's rest, right? Not staying up Not surprised. Late. Good, good also, confirmation of a hypothesis. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And, you yeah. know, and then also the second thing is in the morning before I dive into work, I have to have quiet time. And so for me, my quiet time is to journal, to write out my plan for the day, to really set my mood and mindset, right? And I found just based on my six years of data, if I do those two things, you know, creating space at the end of the day and creating space at the beginning of the day really sets myself up for success. That's a great point. I mean, that you can even directly apply to your life, right? Because you know to have some me time during the day and you know how to go to sleep hopefully on time. So you prepare for a good day on the next day, right? So I think it's amazing. <laughs> exactly. I've also used it to find like the optimal workout time because I used to work out in the morning and then I tried with the pandemic, I had the opportunity to work out at noon, which was right. great. And then I've tested out working out in the PM. So I think that for individuals, capturing data on yourself is probably one of the most exciting things you can do. And then it directly affects your life and you can make changes from it from there. So I'm so glad you mentioned that. <laughs> Great stuff. And there we go. We have a call to action for our listeners as well. I love it. <laughs> yes, I love it. So everybody's going to start just creating Excel sheets of their own life and we'll exactly. have a party and share it all. <laughs> that would be amazing. I love it. I love it. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. If you're ready, I'd love to wrap up and jump into the rapid fire questions. Absolutely. Let's go. All right. What song do you currently have on repeat? Yeah, um, that's always difficult. I never have just one song, but I'm a huge fan of movie soundtracks and musicals. So right now it's a tie between the Dune soundtrack from Hans Zimmer, when I'm deeply focusing on something. And it's the West Side Story remake soundtrack because I just love to sing loudly along to things. And I do that in the car usually. So those two right now are, are mostly on my playlist. <laughs> I was going to ask if you sing really loudly along things, is that in the work setting or whether that's a car? Car seems like a good place to make that happen. <laughs> I think people would at work at this point not be surprised anymore. Sorry, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> awesome. Favorite place you've traveled? Yeah, and that would be a trip to Thailand um, we did in 2014. And I think it was also related to the moment in life where I had like a break and some time for reflection, but it was a really good mix between culture and nature. For my friend. Happiness is? Uh, happiness, that's always changing for me every year, but this year it's being content with what I achieved while being excited for what's to come. Um, and it's a mix because before it was always some big objective, but this time I want to just be more happy with what I have and not be too ambitious anymore. So that's a little bit connected to it. <laughs> that's beautiful. I'm going to steal some of that into my own life. <laughs> <laughs> In the next five years, I hope to... Yeah, personally, I hope to be an awesome father to my two boys that I have and raising them, uh, hopefully, as an awesome dad. But also, work-wise, I want to use my data knowledge for good. I want to help people more and inspire others more. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, I hope, what I can do in the next five years. And last but not least, to me, curiosity is? Uh, to me, curiosity is what makes life exciting. But, but I also think that it's uh, the most important trait to be open-minded and to grow continuously because without being curious, you will not learn anymore. You will not want to 
grow anymore. So it's definitely necessary, I think, for data professionals to go from good to great. Uh, because the world is changing and data is changing as well. So if you're not curious, it's not going to work out well. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know that people are going to be wanting to connect with you. What's the best way for them to connect? Um, I think best way would be on LinkedIn. Um, just look up my name. Uh, I think it's in the episode title in the description probably. And I'm happy to have coffee chats and virtual coffees with anybody who's interested to talk about data or creativity or music or anything. So I look forward to some great conversations. Wonderful. Well, we'll put your LinkedIn in the show notes so people can connect with you and then they can follow and make sure to sign up for the work-life balance album drop here this summer. So Great. Thank you so much. Um, this was a fantastic conversation. Anything else you want to share with our audience before we wrap up today? Um, it's all good. I think if people are really interested in seeing also my work and not know where to start, I think the Governors of Data song is a good way to start to look into how I turned the data work into music and also my digital analytics anthem. Um, maybe also we can share my YouTube link. That's something I can also share. Um, but yeah, that would be a good start. Wonderful. And thanks a lot for having me. Yes, but the, we made it happen and it was worth the wait. So, all right. Thanks everybody for tuning in today. Remember to stay curious and keep learning and we will talk to you next time. If you're looking for more resources to further your data career or find your tribe, we encourage you to become a member at womenindata.org. See you on the other side.